Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Nick Abbott. Off we go to Washington, D.C., where Simon Marks is waiting. He is LBC's U.S. correspondent. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. How are you doing? Very well. I'm still very struck by that caller last night who suggested that uh, now Angela Merkel's got time on her hands. Maybe she could help you out there in the UK. I think she could come over here and help us out over here. Maybe she could split her time between the two. <laughs> yeah, we could uh, use her as a, some sort of timeshare. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole there's a whole business plan there, definitely. Uh, by this time next year, sir, I want you to put that business plan into action. I want you to <laughs> have it fully funded. And by this time next year, we'll be millionaires. There must be a word in German for it. A very, very long one, yeah. <laughs> now, um... Let's talk um, this serious uh, incident in Texas. What do we know about that? Well, we know uh, that the hostages, uh, as you know, were all uh, freed uh, safely uh, as a result of a massive FBI and uh, Marine operation that uh, swung into action at that uh, synagogue on the outskirts of Dallas. And we know that the um, attacker uh, was killed uh, immediately after, literally seconds after the hostages ran for safety uh, from the building. And as had been rumoured throughout the day. Uh, he has indeed now been named as a British national, a 44-year-old by the name of Malik Faisal Akram. Uh, there are huge number of questions uh, about this uh, assault. Uh, why did it take place in such a peculiar location? I mean, it's a pretty remote place to choose to attack a synagogue. Uh, when did he get here? There are reports that he arrived in the United States within the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, according to President Biden, who spoke briefly on the subject earlier and, and to be fair, said that he hadn't uh, yet seen uh, completely verified reports, but he said that he'd uh, heard suggestions uh, that uh, Mr. Akram had spent uh, at least one night in a homeless shelter uh, in the Dallas area, had acquired his weapons on the street in some kind of fashion uh, and then had launched this attack. We now know from uh, UK counterterrorism police that two teenagers have been arrested in the Manchester area as part uh, of the investigation into the attack. I think we can absolutely conclude uh, that phone lines between the US and the UK uh, authorities have been burning uh, ever since it became apparent that it was uh, a British national who was responsible for this. Uh, his motive, certainly in the early part of the assault, which was at the time being streamed live on Facebook simply because the synagogue itself, uh, as a result of COVID-19, was uh, streaming its uh, Saturday uh, congregation uh, live on Facebook. He could be heard demanding the release uh, of a woman uh, who was convicted back in 2010 of trying to kill US military officers while she was in custody uh, in Afghanistan. She's now uh, in federal prison serving an 86-year sentence, and she's serving that sentence in Texas, which I suppose might be a reason uh, for the choice of this uh, small uh, suburb uh, just outside uh, Dallas, Colleyville, Texas, uh, as the scene of the attack. But there's going to be uh, an enormous amount uh, of investigative questions to answer. President Biden's holding uh, a new 
news conference here on Wednesday. We haven't had one of those for a while, but he indicated today that he would update uh, reporters uh, about this incident when he speaks on Wednesday. He has branded this an act of terror. Uh, so no question about the, the sort of the, the motivation for all of this, uh, but huge questions about how this man came to find himself in Dallas from Blackburn uh, and uh, under what circumstances did he acquire his weapons, select his target and launch this assault. So uh, it's uh, it's been a concerning weekend, uh, certainly for the Jewish community in Dallas and in other parts of the country and also, uh, you know, raises fresh questions about the easy availability of weapons in the United States, gun control which didn't advance in any meaningful way in 2021 and doesn't show any uh, meaningful life in the campaign to achieve it in 2022. Yeah, and, and how he got into the country in the first place, I suppose people are going to be concerned about that, aren't they? Because it's not the... America's not very easy to get into for even tourists, is it? Well, it's not as easy as it was, obviously, because of COVID-19. I mean, now that travel links have been re-established between the US and the UK, you can uh, travel uh, to the United States if you're coming in on a British passport. That, of course, was impossible uh, for, for many months until just a few weeks ago. But you do still have to get the ESTA, that's that sort of, you know, equivalent of a visa, uh, and you've got to uh, apply for that through uh, the consulate in the UK, through the embassy in London or a consular office. Um, and some of those have not been working at full tilt uh, because of COVID-19. So I think there will be questions about uh, how, he, how he managed to secure the documentation necessary to travel uh, to the United States. He will have had to have proved that he was uh, vaccinated in order to board the plane. Um, I think there will be questions about just how much planning went into this because it isn't the kind of thing you can sort of wake up in Blackburn on a, on a Thursday and decide, right, I'm going to hop on a plane and travel to the US on a Friday. I mean, mm. there, is, there is an effort involved in making that journey. And we don't, to be fair, know exactly how long he'd been in the country. I mean, there is this report that he'd come in within the last two weeks, but President Biden said he wasn't able to confirm that today. And on the, the subject of President Biden, he's had a week, hasn't he? Oh, I mean, uh, I'll tell you, the measure, there are two yardsticks by which you can judge the last week. One was the publication of the latest Quinnipiac University poll that shows his approval rating down to 33%. Now, many of the president's supporters say that that poll is an outlier, that it has been uh, sub substantially lower in terms of the president's approval rating than other polls. And, you know, the poll of polls suggests he's in the 37 to 39% range. However, if you look at the Quinnipiac University numbers over the last seven months, he's dropped 16% in terms of his approval rating over the last seven months. And that kind of uh, substantially negative direction is indicative of what's happening in other polls, even if uh, his numbers in some of those other polls are still higher. But, I mean, another astonishing yardstick was the publication in the Wall Street Journal last week uh, of an op-ed by two Democratic Party strategists who argued that things are now, are now so bad in the Biden White House 
that far from Joe Biden running for re-election in 2024 or Kamala Harris fitting the bill as the person who might uh, assume his mantle if he decided to step down after one term, uh, they argued that Hillary Clinton is the person who should be ready to swoop <laughs> in. I mean, I mean, just baffling no, the notion. No, no, I mean, no, I, no. No, I mean, I kind of assume this is all a Hillary Clinton trial balloon more than anything else, just to see how it goes down. But suddenly, the Hillary Clinton name was back on the lips of the chattering classes in Washington, D.C., which gives you a sense of, uh, you know, just how much difficulty they've got at the White House. So why are his ratings in the toilet, then? Because of a complete failure to deliver. If you look at what took place last week... Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, the uh, issue that he was trying to triumph last week was voting rights. Uh, legislation in the Senate that he wants to see passed in the Senate that will roll back many of the efforts Republicans have been making in states all over the country to make it much harder particularly for black and brown voters to participate in elections. And the Democrats argue that that is an effort to disenfranchise minority voters who in very large numbers traditionally back Democratic Party candidates. So there are these two pieces of legislation on Capitol Hill. But he can't get them passed because, of course, the Senate is a 50-50 Senate split evenly between the two parties. And to get this kind of legislation through, he's got to win 60 of the available 100 votes. Uh, now, without dwelling on the minutiae of this, which uh, leads your eyes just to completely glaze over, what he proposed doing was exempting these voting rights bills from the need to get 50 uh, to get 60 votes and instead he said let's pass them like let's pass them by a simple majority i mean it is bizarre that the united states senate operates like this you mm -hmm. know you can you can get a law passed in the house of commons with a majority of one yeah. uh, but you can't in the us senate so he said let's exempt it from this 60 vote threshold and do it on a simple majority well in order to do that he had to have a simple majority in favour of the rule change, <laughs> and two of his own Democrats turned around and said, we don't support that, we're not making that rule change, we think this voting rights legislation is important, but we don't believe you should do away with the 60-vote threshold, even if it's just for these two bills. So that knocked him back to square one, and infuriated to an even greater degree... African-American community leaders, civil rights leaders all over the country, some of whom boycotted his speech in Atlanta last week when he tried to really gin all this up because they say he should have been addressing this issue much earlier in his presidency. They believe it is fundamental uh, to the threat to American democracy that the Republicans pose and also the threat to disenfranchise substantial numbers of black voters in the United States. Mm. So there's a, a, a just an extraordinary piece today in the New York Times by uh, a bishop with the um, AME Church, which is one of the uh, really influential churches in the African-American community here, excoriating Biden and Harris and saying that for months, church leaders, faith leaders have been trying to get the White House to focus on this. Calls weren't being returned. Speeches weren't being made. No attention was being paid to it. So for them, the complete absence of delivery on an issue that is really important to grassroots Democrats 
uh, is very, very disarming to a number of Democrat supporters. You talk to young voters here, they're furious that Joe Biden hasn't done anything to alleviate student debt. We've got inflation now at a 40-year high. His uh, Build Back Better spending plan is still stuck uh, in Congress, again because of divisions within the Democratic Party. It's winter, it's cold, everybody's got COVID, <laughs> yeah. it's just pretty grim. Right. And that's translating into disastrous polling numbers. Well, them. yeah, um, it does seem a little bit unfair. Though. I mean, that, that what you've described isn't necessarily his fault. It's just the screwed up system that you have in America. But of course, there's one man who's going to be absolutely loving this, and that is Donald Trump. Who Loving is uh, out on it. his um, doing his uh, demented yeehaw rallies? This is the last one in uh, Arizona, but even he isn't going to get it. Isn't getting the sort of reaction that he is used to. No, he ran into a bit of trouble uh, this week, and it's the second time it's happened in a couple of months. But this week, uh, he was giving an interview to uh, one of the propaganda channels that he talks to here, and he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place because on the one hand. He wants to claim credit for the vaccines against COVID-19. He says they were developed at record speed at his direction. I mean, sometimes he's even uh, sort of hinted that he personally was somehow involved in making these, uh, you know, mm. creating these vaccines. But he is, of course, the leader of a group of conspiracy theorists that in very large measure have rejected the vaccines. So in an interview this week, as he was talking about his achievements in terms of getting these vaccines out there, he rounded on uh, some Republicans whom he described as gutless for refusing to, uh, to, to publicly state whether or not they had received the vaccine. And that was read as a real slap at Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, a potential runner in the race for the Republican Party's presidential nomination in 2024. Because he, when he's asked whether he's had the vaccine, says, well, that's my private personal health information. I'm not disclosing that to you. Mm. And it was specifically that, that approach that Trump described as gutless. But of course, there's lots of Republicans out there, many of them in Congress, who answer that question the same way. So this has caused some degree of difficulty for Trump, who suddenly appeared to be insufficiently extreme <laughs> for the people that uh, are following him. So it was notable that at his rally in Arizona last night, he didn't repeat any of those claims. Instead, he wanted to talk about Joe Biden's vaccine mandates, because if there's one thing they can all agree on, it's the fact that vaccine mandates are a very bad thing. Uh, you, you know, you mustn't be ordered to take a vaccine, mm. even if it's the Trump vaccine. Uh, but it was an interesting indication of, of, you know, a bit of difficult positioning uh, that he's going to face as we head towards 2024. You know, you've kind of created the monster by mainstreaming all of these fringe figures in the Republican Party. But you've got to be careful about the extent to which you say things that that, that we're going to make them scratch their heads and say, what's this all about? You know? Yeah, it might, it might be that uh, Trump is not Trump enough for Trump's fans. Simon, I'm going to have to leave it there, but thanks as always. That's Cheers, Simon thanks. Marks, LBC's US correspondent, speaking to us from Washington, D.C. This is LBC. Coming up at one on LBC, Darren Adam. Operation Save Big Dog includes a televised anus eater shaking a stick at the BBC to distract from the lies of her shambolic boss. Are you convinced? Darren Adam on LBC.